Welcome to a very, very special episode of Tales from a Teapot. This is unlike any episode that we have aired thus far. You're right, Mike. Up until this point, we really have just focused on our beloved tournament, the Tempest Teapot. But now there's been an opportunity to kind of expand what we do. And much like the tournament itself, how it evolved and changed over the years, this podcast is going to be changing and evolving a little bit as well. That doesn't mean we're going to stop doing what we were doing. We're totally going to continue on with those stories about the Tempest. That's going to be the main heart of this. But as other opportunities arise, like today, we're going to grab those opportunities and run with them. Uh, Yeah. For sure. As we have discussed in previous episodes, the Tempest got started at the Acton Golf Club, which is one of uh, many courses Golf North owns and operates. Golf North has always been really good to the Tempest. They've been accommodating of our requests. They've provided golf for us at our tournaments at a really good price. Uh, And they've just really had an integral part, as some of the stories have come out in our previous episodes, to the quality and the fun of the Tempest. Then we we did move away from the Golf North uh, portfolio of courses, so to speak, for a little while with the Tempest. But last year, when COVID hit, Golf North was right there to provide us with yet another opportunity. They kind of stepped up, and even under the extremely challenging circumstances that COVID brought and all the restrictions, Golf North welcomed our tournament and helped work with us. A special shout out to the team at Dundee Golf Club that made it possible last year to keep our Tempest tradition going. And for that, we are extremely grateful uh, for Golf North and what they have done. And as a result, we're really happy And it's a great pleasure today to welcome Doug Breen, the Regional Vice President of Gulf North Properties, to Tales from a Teapot. We're so happy to have him here. Doug, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, welcome, Doug. Um, So I'm really excited that you were able to kind of join us and jump in. Um, As you know, we are golf enthusiasts, and we have a tournament that Mm -hmm. we started since 2010. And uh, obviously, with the climate that we're in with the pandemic, golf has been um, it's been a little bit challenge for all of us. So um, I have a couple of questions that we you know that we're going to go through and ask you. So the first question I have for you, Doug, is uh, we found Golf North properties to be very accommodating to our requests and needs over the years as a golf tournament. In fact, we might say that our tournament would not even exist without Golf North. Would you say that that is one of your um, company policies to accommodate golfers, accommodate tournaments. Um, is that one of the, your, your philosophies kind of um, as, as a company? Yeah, um, absolutely. Right from the beginning, uh, the, it started with Acton. Uh, that was our very first golf course. Oh, was, wow. uh, yeah, that was the first golf course we ever had. They hired me when they bought course number three. Uh, so I've been with it since the very, very beginning. And the, uh, the founders really believed that there was a hole for public golf that, uh, you know, that there was, there was private clubs and they were run in a certain way and they cost a certain mm-hmm. amount of money. And then there was other courses that were open to the public that were sort of all over the place as far as, uh, as far as quality and as far as service and all that. And what we really tried to do is, is to build an environment where we would want to play. 
So um, we would have service levels that we wanted and we would have the kinds of beer in the fridge that we like to drink. And we had uh, courses maintained to the style that we were willing to, to, to play on. So um, what we really tried to do is build a place where we would want to be. And then in turn, it turned out that, you know, what, what we were interested in, turns out there was a lot of other people who were interested in the same kind of thing. So it's always been about being the host uh, you know, the, it's a game, right? I mean, people sometimes lose track of the fact that you're out there to play golf, to enjoy yourself. I mean, it's, it's a day away from whatever it is you're trying to escape from during COVID. I mean, that's what it's all been about is, is sort of just a chance to get away with your family and, and a few friends and actually escape from, mm-hmm. from life for a while. So we realized that early on that that's what people were really looking for was an escape, whether it's a, just a, a single round or whether it's a golf tournament or whether it's their wedding or whatever it is, they're, they're just looking for an experience. And we tried to give that to them as much as we possibly could and i think you guys have done a great job at that because i think in some ways club link has done the opposite even though they have great courses and some of the courses you you want to play but you just can't for the everyday golfer right so in some ways i think club link is killing the game because they're so they're not accessible they're not accessible to the everyday person whereas i feel like golf north is so much more so like even i live in georgetown so i'm very close to the trafalgar golf and country club which was a private club until you guys came along and said hey we'll step in and help out here and i think the situation um you know that called for it at the time and i was able to play it for the first time over the last couple of summers right so just examples of that i just think you're opening golf up to a lot more bigger uh portion of the population yeah and, and that's that's obvious obviously on purpose i mean that's not uh, that's not just an accident i have lots of friends who play club link courses all the time i have lots of friends who are members there i have friends who work at club link mm. so you know i have nothing against club link whatsoever but you know um i you know and not to be disparaging of any of the courses that were around when i got into the business in the 80s but um there were, you know, fine steakhouses, which is kind of where you would put the private clubs. And then there was really good restaurants, which mm-hmm. is where I would put a lot of the, 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 um, uh, the club link courses. And then there was McDonald's and there really wasn't anything in between. And, and, and I, I remember sitting around with the first president, a guy named Al Kavanaugh, and, and he said, what we need to be is not McDonald's, but we don't need to be, uh, you know, barbarians. We need to be the keg. We need to be Kelsey's. Right. We need to be, you know, we need to be the restaurants that people actually go to, yeah. and uh, and and that they enjoy and they spend time with with their friends and family and so mm-hmm. on. And and that has always sort of been the target. And then, as the company has grown, right, as we've gone from you know three courses when I got there to thirty five now. I mean, we have you know gray silo hosted the lpga three times so i mean we have really really good golf courses um our course out in cape breton uh just just got ranked in the top uh top 100 in uh in the world by uh by um golf digest i think it was but you know we're on those rankings all the time it's a great stanley thompson best golf course i've ever seen in my life and so we have really really good golf courses but then we have courses that are just great neighborhood tracks that you can still play for a buck a hole and uh you know, we, we try to make sure that what we're looking for is value and experience that mm-hmm. everyone, when they leave a golf North course, feels like they got good value for their money. And then beyond that, that they had a great experience and no one goes to Harvey's expecting it to not be Harvey's. Right. 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 So, you know, you know what you're paying for and you know what you're getting. And, and, and we have some golf courses that, you know, are sort of the burger joint of golf courses and that's fine. I love burger joints. I eat them all the right. time. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I want to go someplace a little bit nicer, you, you know, you can, 
hop on a plane, go to Cape Breton, go, hop on a plane, go to, to Salmon Arm and play some of the best golf courses in Canada. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we try to make it all accessible and, we, and it's all about value. It's making sure that people are getting good value for what they're spending. And I don't think there's any argument there. You, like you get value for sure. Good. I'm, I'm glad it's, it's, it makes me happy to hear people say that. <laughs> Doug, you mentioned mm-hmm. Great Silo. Um, just as, as a side note, last year we got a chance to play there for the first time. I, I'd never been there before. What a beautiful course that is. We yeah. like we both oh, yeah. we both like truly truly enjoyed it. It was um it, it was it was a, it was a treat. It was really was a treat to play there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and name another course where the LPGA plays you know three times in a row that you can play for less than a hundred right. bucks. Like exactly. You know, it's, it's, it is really unusual. And if you really like that one, I strongly suggest you hop in your car, go up to Collingwood when we're allowed to travel again and, uh, and go to Bateau Creek in Ottawa, just south of Collingwood, built by the same architect uh, in the same era. It's very much, a, if you liked Grace Isla, you will absolutely love uh, Bateau Creek as well. Good to know. So it's kind of still on this same topic of accessibility and growing the game and just bringing it to more people. I know you have a program that's called Golf North for Kids. I don't think mm-hmm. it was active last year because of COVID. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I know of the program because my son was actually took part of it in 2019. Oh, right? Yeah, I was right? a member at Golf North Properties. Um, and so mm-hmm. I get their emails. And I saw this one email come out and I actually had never seen it before. Uh, and I'm like, oh, oh, my son Elijah would love that. So we put a little video together and he ended up being one of the winners. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what this is, it's great. They invite the, the winners of, I think it was, what, 50 children? If I'm... Yeah, it depends on the year. It's been 100, but 50 more more often than not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they invite them out to one of their courses for the day. They do some clinics, give them a brand new set of golf clubs that were fit to them, their size. And then they get a membership um, until they're 18. Good mm-hmm. for any of the Golf North properties. And my son just loves it. And now he's coming out with me a lot more. And I just think... What a great way to grow the game and and send that message of what's important. Yeah, we we all have kids, right? Um, a lot of the principals at Golf North are all about the same age, and we all have kids, and uh, we wanted our kids to get into the game. Another thing that we've, you know, not to get sidetracked here, but we're for the first time this summer, we're actually running a house league golf program as a trial in Kitchener. Um, you know, we talked about the fact that there's the equivalent of rep golf everywhere. It's no problem to get into a, you know, a junior tournament mm-hmm. program, but if you just want to play competitive golf at sort of what you would think of as, you know, the house league hockey level of golf, it just doesn't exist. So, um, we're trying it in Kitchener this year. I, I'd love to come back in a year and tell you that it was a roaring success. We, we believe it's going to be, it sold out in a very short period of time. But uh, we're trying in Kitchener, if it, and if it works, we're gonna we're gonna roll it out. But yeah, it, it's all about getting kids to play. I mean, that's the future. Yeah. If, if the kids aren't playing, then there is no future for the game. And historically, I remember when I first started to play. You know, the old guys would see the bikes in the rack, and they'd be all rolling their eyes. And oh, there's kids on the course today. It's going to be a four hour round. And you know, the truth is, kids play super super fast. And it's just such a myth that kids don't behave on the course. I think the kids now, as much as kids get uh, get slagged, I coach high school football and I deal with some of the roughest kids you could possibly imagine. But, you know, these guys, when you actually treat them with respect, they have a high, high level of respect. I think they're far better behaved than we were. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, the kids that are coming to our golf courses, they're, they're, they've been great. They've been well behaved. They play quickly. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to keep up to a, a group of 12 year olds that are playing golf together because they play fast and they play seriously and they enjoy it. But, you know, they're out there having fun and, and they're moving. So um, 
if we don't grow that part of the game, if we don't have kids that are playing the game, there is no future for golf North or for anyone else. So we just felt that, you know, we were in a position due to our size that, uh, that we needed to be leaders on that. And uh, so we have absolutely tried to grow the game. Um, the, the Golf North for Kids thing has been great, but we also you know, have had the cheapest junior memberships around. Every time we take over another golf course, we just took over two in London this year. And when they saw how much we were charging for junior memberships, they just said, what, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and he, he said, look, we, you know, they, they'll be grown up right. someday. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if we, if we don't get them into the game early, uh, then, then we may not get them. And, uh, you know, we've tried to, we've tried to make it accessible for everybody. We have a program this year too, uh, that, uh, is just kind of, uh, getting going, but we're trying to wind out a program where we have rental clubs for kids that are actually decent clubs Mm. and, uh, and are certainly cheaper and accessible. And we're also looking at a program where we're hoping to be able to rent, uh, clubs to kids for the entire year. And that, because uh, as you know, if your kid played golf, oh, yeah. you have a set of clubs that work for a year and then the next year it's like yeah. skis, right? So we said, where's the equivalent of a ski swap for golf, That's right? brilliant. And uh, so we're trying to do that internally as well. And uh, again, I hope to come back in a year and tell you how great that's worked out as well. But it's another thing that we're trying to do is just to keep the equipment costs down. But I mean, I, I had kids who played hockey. I had kids who played football. I had kids who did every sport in the world. And apart from rugby, I've never seen a sport that's any cheaper than, uh, than, than, than golf is. When you compare it to, you know, a pair of skates, I can get you a membership that'll get you on 16 golf courses at Golf North. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing too, Doug, is that the reality is when you go on a golf course, you're spending anywhere between four to six hours, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, we all have kids. So being apart from your family for that long is not something that mm-hmm. is... It's easily done for a lot of people. So when you're able to take your kids with you and enjoy time with them, it's 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 amazing. It's, so it's really really incredible that you guys yeah. are doing that, which is which is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, see, it's the only thing that I can do with my son. My son is is 25, and we could skate at the same rate for about six months when he was 14, <laughs> right? And you know, he was a quarterback at uh, John F. Ross in Guelph and, and uh, you know, we could play catch until he was about 15. And then I couldn't throw it far enough to get far enough away from him that my hands wouldn't be aching from catching the ball from him and stuff like that. Right. So our, my kids are so athletic and past me, but I mean, we can curl together. That's another sport yeah. that we can do together, but golf is, it's, it's kind of the only thing I can go out and do with my 25 year old son. We can be competitive with each other. And again, like what other opportunity do I have to spend four, four and a half hours with my son and actually talk about life? Because, you know, that's that whole quality time versus quantity time thing. I mean, the one sort of takes care of the other. You go and spend four hours playing golf with your kid, you'll end up having, you know, 10 or 15 minutes out of that that you're going to treasure for the rest of your life. So um, there's not many things that we can do like that. We had a little family tournament a while ago where it was my, my wife's parents who were I don't want to say that they're in their 80s. I think they're in their 70s still, but, you know, certainly seniors. And then uh, my wife, who hardly plays at all, uh, myself and my son, my daughter, who plays a little bit, but is super athletic, her boyfriend, who'd never seen clubs before. We went out and we had an excellent time together. We just played a simple sort of scramble format and everybody had a good time. And what else can you do with someone who's, you know, a senior and someone who's, you know, just starting out and 
this is it. This is the only game in the world. That's why I honestly believe it is the greatest game that has ever been invented is that we can all do it together and you can all have fun regardless of your skill Absolutely. level. Absolutely. You don't have to sell us. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Doug, this kind of leads me to my next question. Um, in our personal, mm. personal experience in 2020, courses seem to be booming. Um, and yes, there was COVID restrictions and there was, but tea times were full. Like they were jam packed. Yep. Um, can you tell us about from your experience, from your perspective and golf North's perspective, what has this last year been like for golf? Well, I mean, it was, it was very frustrating when we were closed last spring it, equally frustrating now, but, um, you know, in, in the time in between there where we were open, it was fantastic. It was, uh, it was it was so great to see new golfers. It was so great to see uh, golfers we hadn't seen for a while. Uh, people who would play ten rounds a year played twice that this year. Um, there's no question that the courses were busier. Um, that it was harder to get tee times partially because we spread them out a little bit more because of COVID regulations. There's all kinds of things we had to do because of COVID that that led into this. But you know, partially it was that. It was a great opportunity to introduce or introduce a group of people to the game that maybe hadn't played before. And we've had other golf booms before. I remember when Tiger Woods first came along, all of a sudden the courses were booming and it was busy, but it was all, you know, not to disparage 25 year old guys, but it was all 25 year old guys this time around it's 25 year old guys and their girlfriends and it's moms coming with their sons and it's dads coming with their grandkids. And, you know, we're seeing families playing together. Like it's very, mm -hmm. very different. Just anecdotally what I'm, what I'm seeing there out on the, on the courses every day, we're seeing a lot more families playing together. We're seeing a lot more dates. It'll be, you know, two guys and two girls and the, you know, maybe the guys have never played before and they're learning from the girls as they go and they're having a great time. And I mean, that's the future of the game, right? If, if a bunch of 25 year old guys come out and they have a good time, well, next year, maybe they're all going to raves instead, <laughs> right? <laughs> those, those are fickle customers, right. right? You'll get some of them forever, but you'll lose some of them. And maybe they come back when they're 40, but you know, we tend to lose those guys. Whereas if you've got people who are coming out, like my son's girlfriend, um, played enough golf last year that whether my son stays with this girl or not, she's going to be a golfer for life because she just enjoyed it that much. And, and the next guy is going to have to learn how to play golf or, <laughs> you know, regardless of whether she stays with him or not, that's just, it's just been a very, very different, uh, very, very different group of people that come out this time. So not only has it been busy, it's been really encouraging because it's a very different group. of people. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned, um, like the tiger woods because earlier in one of our episodes when we were talking about how we got into golf that was mm -hmm. like that was kind of our the thing that kind of motivated like me personally that was the thing that kind of watching tiger mm -hmm. at the time mm -hmm. who wasn't much older than than i was you know when when his first right. masters that was kind of what motivated me to get into and interested in to get into golf so it's interesting that you say that because I think that there is going to be an effect, long-term effect of this pandemic on golf. So it's really interesting to, mm -hmm. to kind of hear from your perspective. And it's so, and what you mentioned too, Doug, it's, it's exactly what we need right now, right? Like people yeah. are shut in. We, we aren't like, we don't get to see people and the golf course, 
uh, provides that opportunity when they're open. And that leads us into our next point. And I'm going to rattle off some numbers here that I know you're aware of, uh, but I think our listeners should should hear them. So last year at you know the 800 golf courses in Ontario, golf provided employment to over 110,000 workers who continued to contribute to the economy because they had jobs or working. There were over 26 million rounds played by approximately 1.8 million Ontarian golfers. All of that with zero known transmissions of COVID-19 related to golf. And yet, <laughs> and yet, here we are today in Ontario, finding ourselves in a very perplexing situation. I spend half my days right now uh, either calling or sending emails or writing letters to MPPs. Um, it feels like double jeopardy, right? I, I feel like we're on trial for the same sin again. And uh, the first time around, we made a bunch of arguments about how we believed that we could golf safely, that we could control our tee sheets, that we could control flow in and out of the golf courses, and that we could do this safely. But it was, admittedly, theoretical. Um, last year, you know, you just threw the numbers out there without really intending to do it. We had a nationwide, you know, worldwide, really, um, population study. And if you take the Ontario numbers, we took almost 2 million people and we let them play almost 30 million rounds of golf with the protocols that we put in place mm -hmm. and ended up with zero cases of transmission. Now, it's not shocking. I mean, there's lots of stuff that's come out over the last few weeks even um, where CDC and so on are saying, look, you know, it looks like it's about 1% of the cases in the whole world uh, were transmitted outside. And, uh, you know, there's other doctors who've jumped in and said, yeah, but that's because Singapore reported this way. I mean, I don't want to get into the details, right. but it's a very, very small number. Some have said as low as 0.01% of the cases were transmitted outside. So it's not shocking, really, that, that it didn't happen. But the fact is, it happened. Mm -hmm. So we have this population study where we let this many people play this many rounds of golf, and we had no transmission. So in our mind, we had stated our case, and then we had proved our case. So... To be honest with you, when it closed this spring, I was shocked. I, you know, there was rumors around that they might, but I thought there's, there's absolutely no way. There's the no same way. We've, thing. No, we've, we've already proved our case. It's, it's done. It's over. You know, don't worry about it. And did take the time because I'm a cautious person by nature and spent letters to all of our MPP saying, hey, you do remember what happened last year, right? You remember <laughs> that, remember that, that everything was fine and that we did what we said we were going to do. So then in the spring, we were allowed to open. We have courses that were open for almost a month yeah. this year because we got a really good early start in some places. And uh, so when the, you know that sort of disastrous press conference that happened back on the 16th um, happened, you know we were sort of stunned when it happened. Like none, none of us were expecting it. And mm -hmm. uh, we were sort of flabbergasted by it. And then immediately started with the phone calls and started with the emails. And, and uh, to be honest with you, we're not really getting great answers. I mean, uh, Dr. Uni, who was the, uh, the head of the science table, was asked a couple of days after by the CBC, you know, did your science table suggest that we close down outdoor activities like golf and tennis? He said, no, absolutely not. Quite right. the opposite. So, you know, they're not getting this from their science table. Um, history has dictated that there's no reason to do this. So I don't really know where this is coming from. Um, a lot of times when you talk to MPPs individually, they go, yeah, we really think probably you should be open, but you know, somebody's telling us that we shouldn't, so we're not. Right. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've been encouraging all of our members, anybody who sent me emails or called us or asked me about it, I said, please just, you know, contact your MPP. And uh, if you're not sure who your MPP is, it's five minutes on Google to find out or five mm -hmm. seconds on Google to find out. Um, but we've got 17 members of provincial parliament 
15 of which are uh, progressive conservatives um, who have courses of ours in their writings. Some of them I know personally and some of them I've known for years. And uh, I've been very, very aggressively rallying them. And, you know, I think the best thing we can probably do to get through this is to uh, fill up all their inboxes and <laughs> fill up all of their voicemails mm -hmm. with people who are just letting them know that, look, they did it last year. And I think that's the message, right? And, and now they're starting to talk about how, well, it's not golf, it's the things that surround golf. Well, what? And, and well, it's, you know, people gathering into the parking lots. Well, you guys know, you play golf. We didn't allow that to happen. No one did, right? We just didn't allow it to happen. And, uh, and, and again, the argument is we got through last year without any transmission. So either it didn't happen or if it did happen, it didn't matter. <laughs> but mm -hmm. either way, you know, it, it wasn't an issue. But you guys know, we just did not allow it to happen. And as far as I'm aware, no one at any of the golf courses that I was on or that I've been in contact with allowed it to happen. So that's a non-starter. And sort of this notion of mobility that seems to keep coming up, that somehow people are getting in their cars and driving, you know, to Windsor to play golf from Toronto. I mean, there are a handful of rounds that are played that way, but the best numbers we have from the National Golf Course Owners Association suggest that something like 90 to 95% of rounds are played within 10 to 15 minutes of your house. Right. And if you think about your own habits, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, not there's, there is travel for golf, there's golf vacations, there's all that kind of stuff. But if, uh, if the province were to say, you know, golf courses are open, but we really still want you to stay as close to home as possible. Golfers are reasonable, responsible people, and they would do mm -hmm. that. And, and even if they did travel a little farther, I mean, you're in your car by yourself. I mean, there was all this talk about, well, everybody gets together in carpools. Well, no, they don't. <laughs> right. People drive in their own cars, they meet in the parking lot and walk up and they pay and they go, they play it around, they stay six feet away from each other the whole way and they get in their cars and they drive home again. So there's, there's no contact and there's limited mobility. So I summarily just dismiss both of those arguments and I, I'm not sure why we're closed, but we are. And Doug, to that point too, just to extend it a little further, I didn't even mm -hmm. run into my, in my own personal experience, I didn't even run into other golfers that were complaining about the protocols. Like, I mean, no. if you have COVID conversations with people, you're going to get into, I mean, people have very differing views on yes. this, right? But on the golf yeah. course, I never had that happen. I never had one person say, this is stupid. Like, oh, we can't touch the flight. Never once, right? Everyone just no. followed it and and we went on, right? And that's, I think, why it was successful. People were just happy to be able to be outside, right? right? I mean, everybody's grandmother told you, right? For any respiratory disease, the best thing you can do is get outside and get in the sunshine, right? Mm -hmm. And every instinct you've got tells you that you feel better when you're out there. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, and if you're looking for a safe spot to do it, you know, what could be better than showing up 10 to 20 minutes apart, depending on the golf course, and uh, going out in groups of four with people who you can control for the most part, who's in your group. I mean, you right. can, you can book your foursome and there's no, you have a hundred percent control then over who you play with. You're never closer than six feet apart because at any point somebody could just swing their club and bean you in the head. So people <laughs> just don't do that. Right. Right. And then you walk up and you walk up the fairways and you're, you know, two, 300 yards away from the group in front of you and the group behind because there's balls flying around. So, you know, if you had wanted to design a game, if, if, if COVID had happened before golf and you'd had the opportunity to design a game that would be safe to play under COVID protocols, what, what could possibly be better than golf? What would you change? And, you know, Doug, not, not, not to get too political or anything on this, but one of the things that always gets lost and kind of, it's, it's, it's a little bit frustrating from my, from, you know, personally for me is that, you know, you, we don't, and like our government doesn't talk enough about 
act, being active. The, the reality is mm. being active is one of the best things that we can do, especially when the weather is getting nice. So, and it's, and you know, one of the things that I noticed in, in golf with one of the, you know, restrictions and regulations that kind of went into effect last year, like putting the stuff in the hole, in the hole so the ball doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Like just, it, it sped up the game. Like it sped up the game so mm-hmm. much better. And I, I actually, I personally. I don't know if I'll ever pull a flag it, out it, again. It, 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 That's it actually, right. like personally, I enjoyed it way more. So, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I mean, having said, I mean, I, I, I realize that I recognize that there is no right answer. These are tough, tough decisions that none of us have kind of had to deal with in the past. But it's just, you know, it's kind of frustrating. We've got a lot of great stories. Um, people have been sending us emails and, and, and calling us and so on. And, you know, there's there's seniors who have told us that this is they haven't left their houses since this happened, since golf got shut down. And they said we would go once a week and buy groceries. And then two, three times a week, they go out to the golf course with the same group of three people and they'd show up separately and they'd play the round and they'd leave. And that was it. So the only sort of exposure they were getting to getting outside, getting some exercise, having some socialization with their with their friends was the round of golf. And, you know, some people play every day. Some people play once a week in a league, whatever. But, you know, for a lot of people, they were telling us, look, I go to the grocery store and I play golf and that's it. And I never feel safer than when I'm on the golf mm. course. I feel safer on the golf course than I do at home, some of them said. Mm. And you've got other people who are trying to explain to their kids who, you know, they're not in school. The, I mean, online school, I don't know if you have kids that are of that age, but it's a yep. disaster. Um, I mean, everybody's doing their best. I, I'm not slagging teachers, don't misunderstand me, but it's <laughs> it's impossible. It's not gonna work, right? right? We've, we've told these kids their whole lives not to spend their time in front of the screen and then tell them to sit down and do it for eight hours. <laughs> so, <very> true. <laughs> so um, you know, uh, their lives are, are chaos. They can't play baseball. They can't play soccer. They, you know, even if they go out and play with their friends, there's some parents who are freaking out when they see anybody outside their house and things. So the kids' lives are, are crazy. So we've got people who are saying, the only thing I was doing with my kids last summer is, you know, they do online school in the morning and I say, okay, let's it. Let's go play nine holes. Right. And, and those people are really, really hurting. And uh, I tell you what, there's, one of the great myths of golf is that it's played by, uh, you know, sort of elitist rich people. And, and you guys know it's just not true. And it may have been true at some point, but if it, if it ever was true, it's not true anymore. And uh, you know, there's lots of opportunities for people of all age groups and all economic groups. And I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a game for the masses, which is back in Scotland, what it was, it started out to be. It's a game that everybody played. And uh you know, highest participation in, in the world is here in Canada, 20% of golfers. Highest participation sport in Canada. More people play golf than any other sport in Canada. And, uh, you know, it's to just take it away arbitrarily, take away all of that relaxation, take all that mental release and force people to, to stay home. It just seems foolhardy to me. So I've made this argument over a million times to MPPs and so far I'm not getting anywhere, but I, I will keep making it until they let us open again. And you know, Doug, they are making that argument as well. Like on May 11th, uh, just a couple of days ago from when we're recording this, they the Toronto Star posted an article and we're going to put a link to it in our um, description with the podcast, um, but it's entitled Ontario Golf Courses Will Remain Closed During COVID-19 Stay-at-Home Order, Solicitor General Says. And you, I'm not going to go over the quotes that we we're going to, originally we were going to 
share some, but um, you've just touched on so many of the points already. And so if I encourage listeners to check that article out because it just backs up everything Doug's saying here. So I, I think it's hard to make the argument that golf isn't safe, that it's not good for our emotional well-being, and I can't wait for them to open up again. So leading yeah. to that, you you had said, I guess the main thing an average golfer could do to support this, you had said, is just contact the local MP and just write them and just keep going that way? Absolutely. Go back to your grade 10 civics class, right? The, the way this is supposed to work is representative government. And uh, you've got an MPP who's supposed to be in Queens Park uh, arguing on your behalf. And uh, I would be pretty blunt with them. That's the email that I sent to all of our MPPs this morning. I said, I just want to know, are you uh, are you in Queens Park arguing to try and get uh, golf and other acti outdoor activities that can be run safely? Are you trying to get them open or are you arguing to keep them closed or are you just doing nothing? And I just want to know which one it is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the best thing you can do. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work. Your MPP is supposed to uh, look at what's what's needed in their riding, go to Queens Park and argue on your behalf to get what you need. And if you think golf is important to you, uh, give them the stories, tell them why it's important to you, right? Um, dispel that myth that it's only played by rich bankers and lawyers who have enough recreation anyway, right? Just, you know, if anything we can do to dispel that myth would be good overall anyway, but uh, you know, let people know why, or let your MPPs know why this is important to you, why you want it to be open. And, and more than anything, if you can just let them know remind them how safe it really was last year when you went out to play and that we can do this and we can do it safely. And, you know, that's it. Just try and contact your MPPs, fill up their inboxes, fill up their voicemails. So finally, Doug, just uh, for golfers who may not be familiar with Golf North yet, maybe they're mm -hmm. hearing this and they, they haven't checked out one of your courses or don't know what you're all about. Is there one thing you want golfers to know about the company? Uh, it's value. Um, and we've got something for everybody. If you're a beginner, we've got multiple courses where you can play. If you're a low handicapper and you really want to, you know, try and shoot your lights out at Mystic, knock yourself out, hmm. right? <laughs> Lose 14 balls and have a good day. And uh, <laughs> if, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're anywhere in between, we've got something for you. If you've got gobs of money and you want to have a nice, uh, you know, tripped out West or out East, we've got that for you. If you've got a cottage up in Muskoka, we've got some courses up there, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what kind of courses you like to play with 35 courses and 33 of them here in Ontario. We've got lots of options for you. We've got great value. It doesn't matter uh, how much money you want to spend. You're going to feel like you got good value for the money that you spent. And, uh, you know, and it's all about fun. You know, in the end, we're just selling fun. So come on out, have a good time and enjoy it. And if, if, if you're not familiar with the company, um, our website's golfnorth.ca, obviously www.golfnorth.ca. All our courses are listed there. We've got flyovers or, uh, over some of them, and uh, you can get a lot of information there if you're just interested in what courses we've got. Memberships are sold out for this year, but uh, green fleas are obviously available as soon as we can get open. And, uh, and please, I, I hope we'll see you all this summer. And even if you're not interested in Golf North, just keep playing golf. Doug, I, I just got to say one last thing before we let you go here. Um, first of all, thank you very much for your time. And you've been more than generous. This has been amazing. And I just want to tell our listeners too, like, I I just kind of randomly happened to call and I really wasn't expecting to be able to get, you know, an, an audience with someone like yourself. And you were, yeah. you know, we, we talked on the phone for a couple of minutes and you were, you were incredible and very generous with your time. And we 
we certainly really appreciate it. So I just wanted to say, you know, thank you very much for taking the time to do that. Mm -hmm. It was, it means a lot to Jay and I, um, like I said, we've, we, we're, we're avid golfers and, and a lot of our listeners are as well. So, um, we really appreciate you coming on and, and kind of taking the time to talk to us and tell us what's happening from your perspective. So, yeah. Well, anytime, guys, I'm always happy to talk. I'm very passionate about the game. I'm very passionate about the business, and I'm happy to talk about it anytime. I want to thank you guys for doing this. And, uh, you know, it's been great to have you guys as customers. Um, you know, I'm glad that we were able to help get your tournament off the ground. We're glad to host it anytime we can. And, you know, we're all in this together as a business. One of the nicest things about working in this industry is that we really do all see ourselves as, as in it together. Um, it's a business that certainly we're in competition with each other, but in a lot of ways we see ourselves more in competition with all of the other sports and all the other things that people can mm -hmm. do money, spend their money on. So, uh, you know, we we're active in the national golf course owners association and golf can and so on to try and grow the game and expand the game. We figure that all, uh, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. And, you know, as long as you're playing golf someplace, that's great. And, uh, we're happy to host your tournament, but we're not the least bit offended if you move it around a little bit. And, uh, and the more, uh, the more we can host it, the better. And, and we'll be happy to have you yeah thank you very much and, and doug so you mentioned that you would you would you be interested in coming back on at a, at a later time and hopefully when the golf season gets oh yeah perfect that'll be great oh yeah we, we can talk about anything you want i'm a you know on the side i'm a municipal counselor i play in a band i sit on the board of the national golf course owners association you know we, we can talk about anything oh, you want this is great <laughs> this is great thank you doug <laughs> all right thanks a lot guys appreciate your time thanks. So that wraps up the interview, Mike. I thought that was really insightful. Um, I think Doug, you know, talked about all the the pressing topics. It's confusing. I think, um, unfortunately, the government seems to be making a stand against golf for some political reason. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think it's super safe. Yeah. Uh, and I don't just say that because I love golf. I say it because I was out there all summer last year. I saw it firsthand. I know it's safe. So, man, I hope they, they change their position on this. Yeah, for sure, Jay. You know, this is, um, you know, most of our episodes, we go back and we talk about the different events and we kind of goof around and we laugh quite a bit. But this is actually, this is a this is a, a serious issue because there's, there's people's health is mm -hmm. kind of, you know, at stake here. And um, not just, you know, there's like mental health at stake. There's physical health at stake here. And we do, we genuinely yep. do love this game. We are golf enthusiasts. So. And just in closing, uh, if you wonder, Mike sounds a little different today. Uh, if that's the case, Mike had some, I know this is, prepare yourself, this is shocking. Mike had some technical difficulties that he had a hard time sorting out. And so he was on a different microphone system, but we're going to get him all set up uh, so this uh, doesn't continue to happen in the future. But hopefully he still sounds great. He looks great, right. no matter and, what. Uh, I, 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 yeah, for sure. Even without a haircut, Jay. Now, I will just say one more, um, one more tease. Should we? Can we give a little tease here, Jay? That there's going to be more interviews, kind of like this, coming down the pipe. I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, you know, this isn't going to be. We're still going to, as Jay said, we're still going to talk about the Tempest and go back and recap everything. But every now and then we're gonna we're gonna throw a little uh, a curveball. Yeah, our marketing team has been hard at work uh, on the phones, yeah. and and they've come up with some some interesting prospects. So uh, we're not gonna say anything more at this point. But I think that's no. uh, a good teaser, Mike. That there are other things in the works, and we look forward to bringing those to you. So, Michael, until next time, contact your local MPP, make a stink, stay healthy, and we'll see you on 
the next episode of Tales from a Teapot. On behalf of Jay Friesen, I am Mike Najati, and you have been listening to Tales from a Teapot. Tales from a Teapot is produced by Michael Najati and Jay Friesen. Our theme music, Funk in the Trunk, is provided by Silverman Sound Studios at silvermansound.com.